That's what makes us tough. We keep a coming. We're the people that live. They can't wipe us out. They can't lick us. The change has started, and the change in Detroit is real. We're back! Yeah, yeah, yeah! yeah. Detroit, Michigan! Here, you can actually see what you do affect a great American city, and it's, it's hopefully a historical comeback. Welcome into Opportunity Detroit. Hi, this is Paul W. Smith, usually with you Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. And joining me today, Alexis Madison, co-founder of Milk and Fraud. Megan Burick, leader of business development, planted Detroit. Dan Carmody's back, the president of the Eastern Market Partnership. And finally, a visit with Al Roker, which we very much enjoyed when he came into town this past week. It's all about opportunity, Detroit. And it's all right now. Detroit, Michigan. Right now, we welcome Alexis Madison, the co-founder of Milk and Froth, an artisanal ice cream shop offering classic dairy and vegan ice creams made from scratch in small batches. Alexis, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks. How are you today? I am excellent. I'd be a little better if we had some of your ice cream in front of us. Oh, yeah, man. I wish I could have gotten some over to you. That'd be great. That's one of the harder things to get to people from, yeah, from place to Absolutely. place. Uh, it's a little tough. I want to know about this company you launched in 2018 and what has been extra special about you? What makes you stand out? What your your mission might be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so folks that don't know, we're an ice cream company, of course, based in Detroit. Um, we make all of our stuff totally from scratch in our production kitchen in Eastern Market. Um, we're actually a part of their accelerator program. And then um, we've got a shop downtown. We've got a food truck. Um, and we have more recently been working um, to grow our wholesale business and getting pints into uh, quite a few local grocery stores. Um, and so what, what makes us, uh, I'll say special is that we really do make everything fully from scratch, which is actually so much less common, um, than you would actually think nowadays. You know, most people are using an ice cream mix, uh, which makes things a lot easier. You know, that's probably like 99% of folks are, are doing that. Um, but, but what that means is that, you know, it comes along with all of the ice creams having the same amount of sugar and the same amount of fat and, um, the flavor, oftentimes, if if you're ready to to um, taste at that sort of mature level, you can sort of taste uh, that all of those ice creams um, are about the same in some ways. And so, um, you know, we're making everything fully from scratch into spec according to whatever flavor that we're wanting to create. Um, and so, you know, for us, um, our butter pecan might have a little bit more butter fat and our honeycomb may be a little bit sweeter and be a custard base and have eggs, whereas another may be more of a, uh, what they call a Philadelphia style where there are no eggs. And so, um, we're really creating every flavor, um, the way that we think it is, uh, best highlighted. You will proudly go toe to toe with anyone else uh, saying you've got some of the best ice cream in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I never heard we of are... this Philadelphia style with no eggs. I, I who knew? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's probably most of what what you'll have nowadays. Um, but that's the uh, technical term, I guess. 
And you're, as you point out, we're speaking with Alexis Madison, co-founder of Milk and Froth Eastern Market. Everything made from scratch in the production kitchen in Eastern Market and free of pre-manufactured mixes, artificial flavors and colors and chemical stabilizers that frankly have become kind of, well, ubiquitous in the ice cream industry. You don't have any of that junk. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that stuff, although it does make uh, product, of course, less, you know, temperature sensitive, more uh, stable, getting to and from grocery stores into your home, but it also dampens the flavor a bit and isn't the best for our bodies. Um, you know, people's at-home freezers are super strong and quality these days enough to handle, you know, a more um, a more simple product that truly is just milk, cream, eggs, and sugar, um, and, and, you know, store that for quite a while. So, um, you know, we think that there's still room for the other stuff in the market, of course. Uh, a lot of people are just used to that and love that and love the price point. Um, but there's also room for, you know, advancement in this area, and a lot of people prefer to maybe pay a slightly higher price point for um, – uh, you know, I won't necessarily say high qu- higher quality, but, you know, yeah, it, it's, cleaner and simpler. Um, it's yeah. higher quality. There's nothing wrong yeah. with saying it. It's higher quality. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, people are willing to pay up now for higher quality, or so it would yeah. seem. Uh, before we run out of time, tell me about the uh, mobile milk and froth truck and how people can book it. If they've got an event or something and they want to book it out, they can be in touch to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So we um, we actually started as a food truck. Um, so we've got a food truck. It is essentially a scoop shop on wheels. We do fresh waffle cones, which is great because that aroma spreads throughout the area that we're serving at. And we do fresh hard scooped ice cream on those waffle cones. Um, and we book out for private events, but we also go to um, some larger public events. And you can reach out to hello at milkandfrost.com. Um, or there's a form on our website that you can fill out to to ask us any questions about renting that. All right, so it's hello at milkandfroth.com. Yeah. Is, is it A-N-D, or do you spell it out or uh, not? Yes, yep, you do. Hello at milkandandfroth.com. And I have a feeling, though I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to, I have a feeling you're in for a real fine treat, the ice cream free of pre-manufactured mixes, artificial flavors and colors, all those chemical stabilizers uh, that are in most ice cream everywhere now, uh, not there in this. And so uh, you launched in Detroit in 2018. You made it your mission to offer classic and original ice cream flavors. And it sounds like you have absolutely accomplished that and more. Absolutely. Yeah, you'll have to come by for some. Where do I come by to? We've got a shop downtown in the Buell building. In the Buell building. Yes. Maybe make the call. Maybe uh, go online to hello at milkandfroth.com to set up one of your milk and froth trucks to uh, have a party of some sort. We'll see. We'll figure it out. But it's good to know you're there. And congratulations. Job well done, Alexis. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. Oh, it is our pleasure. You're listening to WJR and Opportunity Detroit. Dan Carmody, the president of Eastern Market Partnership. We've been trying to think how many years we've been talking to you in this position, Dan. It's going on 16, P.W. Smith. 
16 years, uh, and everything's been going very well. As uh, Ann and I talked earlier, you've been growing and offering uh, new things, and it's not been easy. You've been through a lot, but the Eastern Market Partnership, uh, the nonprofit that manages Detroit's Eastern Market, uh, you've kept up with what you've set out to do, the mission of nourishing a healthier, wealthier, happier Detroit. You've been doing it since uh, 1891 before you got there, but 16 years of impressive service for you, Dan, and I hope you're going to keep doing it for a while. Um, I'm still in the saddle for a while. We're actually looking at one of our uh, biggest opportunities since I've been here, and it it kind of all came out of the pandemic. Uh, If you recall, when we went into shutdown and some of our, our our big meat companies had big outbreaks and they shut plants down and all of a sudden we didn't have meat supply. And then more recently uh, we've seen what happens when one of our five baby formula companies went down, we didn't have baby formula. Right. And and we have a national food system that's pretty dependent on, uh, in many cases, a few very large companies. And when they're too big to fail and they fail, we got a problem. And so, one thing that people may not realize about Eastern Market is we started out as a regional distribution center for wholesale fruits and vegetables. And, uh, you know, we still serve that function. So midnight to 5 a.m., we still have 30, 30 to 40 Michigan farmers show up to sell to independent grocers. Wow. And uh, be- because of interest in Lansing and Washington and making our food system a little more less reliant on a few big companies, there's a lot of support now to grow regional distribution of food products. And it's a chance for us to recast our wholesale market and uh, do some things we've been piloting for a few years, which is uh, we actually have uh, over the last four years worked with a company called Michigan Farm to Freezer to take locally grown crops and do small batch freezing. We've worked with those same growers to do cut and pack, you know, with restaurants and hotels, labor shortages, they don't want to buy a head of lettuce. They want to buy a salad mix. And so we have the opportunity here to uh, to build a new wholesale facility that could serve more farmers and grow our food processing work that we've done with other partners. So it's a really interesting time in the food system in America that we need to we need to make it a little bit more resilient and less dependent on just a handful of companies in each category. Well, you know, we've all heard of uh, farm to table. That was like the big thing, and it still is the big thing. But I've never heard uh, Michigan Farm to Freezer before. Tell me more about that. Well, it's you know, small batch freezing disappeared from around the country, uh, and this is a company that we uh, helped grow. They were based in Traverse City, and they, we, they, they built up a Detroit location, and it's grown into, you know, first of all, they were just service, servicing schools and universities and uh, uh, hospitals. And then when the pandemic came uh, and those markets disappeared, all of a sudden, they, they turned to a retail market, and they found a, a lot of interest because people do want to eat local. And with the Michigan growing season only being six months long, Michigan Farm to Freezer gives people the opportunity to eat local all year round. And so, it, it, you know, if you're like me, Paul, and you go to the farmer's market this time of year, I get a little bit crazy, and I buy enough produce for my wife and I that we don't necessarily go through it in a week's time. And uh, the, the, all that nutrition is kind of going down the drain in our refrigerator fresh drawer. We'd be better off buying frozen stuff, which is frozen at the peak of nutritional value without any additives. And it's a, it's a health, it's a health, nutrient-dense food that you can access easily in the quantities you need to. 
Yeah, and 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 not everybody has been aware of this that we can get the 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 eastern market quality and the vegetables, fruits, etc. from around here still get them uh, but have them frozen. I mean yep. I I tend to think of everything that's been that I pick up anywhere frozen is not from around here. Yeah. Well, there's not much left. I mean, you know, truly there's some really big producers in northern Ohio. We actually did a pilot. Um, there was a company out in West Michigan that used to freeze peaches and apples, and they're the company that invented the apple snack uh, for McDonald's. So apples is their dominant business, and they they got rid of their peach line because they wanted to focus on apples. And so we bought some of their equipment last summer and did a pilot run on peaches. Now the interesting thing was we started getting calls from upstate New York and and the Carolinas because there were no small scale processing available to those growers either. And so there's, it's a real missing void. And so there's fun, you know, the USDA is aware of this this uh, opportunity. And so some of the, the newer programs uh, do provide some funding to help us uh, expand this uh, this line of business and make the Eastern market more relevant uh, to farmers and uh, beyond the, the ones who come to our market on a you know, weekly basis uh, to, to get a specialized service, like taking what they can't sell fresh, freezing it, so they develop a new market. Excellent. Uh, very educational this morning, Dan Carmody, President, Eastern Market Partnership. Any other uh, involvement, partnerships, uh, or such as such uh, for Eastern Market Partnerships in the city? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, one of the things we've been working on for the last five years is the expansion of the Eastern Market District. Uh, you know, if you've been around Detroit, you've noticed there's a, a fair amount of vacant land. But when you look at all that vacant land, it's it, it's often not a development site because there are former residential properties and, and you might have 20 vacant lots, but one of them is owned by somebody who doesn't want to sell. And so you, there, there it sits. And so for the last five years, there's a 25 to 30 acre area just east of the market that's highly depopulated that we have been working with the city uh, to expand uh, to provide space for food companies to stay in the eastern market vicinity, which will give us another two of relevance to food businesses because we'll have room to put them, put them there. And so, you know, as the market has been changing over the last 10 years in the Coria, the part that people know is the market now, a lot of those older buildings are really hard to keep in food use because they're difficult to make compliant with food safety laws. Concurrently, those, those buildings are cool old brick structures that make great lofts or retail or office. And there's no reason not to do that, except that we want to keep food in the heart of the market, and we want to keep food as part of the central focus of the market district. So by expanding it, you have the opportunity to keep food. You can carve out some spaces in those older buildings that, that we use for smaller food companies to help grow them from the bottom up. But when they get to any size at all, now we have a place to keep them in and around the market district in the new expansion. All, all, uh, all good news and new news to us. We appreciate it, Dan. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Paul. Uh-huh. Thank you. Dan Carmody, President, Eastern Market Partnership. More Opportunity Detroit coming up. Joining us now is Megan Burrett. Megan is the leader of business development of Planted Detroit. Now, you may not have heard of Planted Detroit. Let me tell you what their goal is. Planted Detroit is a Detroit-based farm whose goal is to make farming more efficient 
which will allow communities to source fresh produce locally on a year-round basis, even if those communities have a nice long winter like we do. Megan Bird, welcome to the program. Nice to uh, learn about Planted Detroit. Thank you so much for having us. Tell me about it. I mean, it makes sense, obviously, and if you can help us be more efficient with farming, we depend on our farmers, and they've been they've been hit with all the troubles of the world and supply chain issues and everything else, like we all have been. How can you help? Absolutely. So our founder, Tom Adamchek, saw that there was a lot of opportunity in agriculture to bring more high technology in order to increase efficiency, like you said, but also just to make it possible for us to grow year-round, even into the future, with the volatility that we're seeing. That's an important thought, because uh, we, we depend on our farmers, and as land gets eaten up to be used for other things, and uh, and all of the, the weather curveballs we throw at them, uh, we need to help. And uh, it, it helps all of us when we help the farmers, that's for sure. What compelled your founder to start Planted Detroit? That's a great question. So he was seeing a lot of opportunity in the markets around how agriculture was becoming more vertically integrated. And there's a lot of technology out there, but agriculture is kind of an old school industry. So he thought, can we bring a little bit of technology to agriculture and also bring it to Detroit, which is, of course, as we know, the automation capital of the world, but bring some agricultural automation. So that's what we're doing over in Island View, growing baby greens, herbs, and microgreens 365 days a year. So is all of your farming inside? It is. We are what we call CEA, so Controlled Environment Agriculture, which can mean a lot of things. For us, it means we grow indoors all year. We grow vertically, so we grow stacks essentially in racking like you would see in any warehouse, but uh, much more advanced. Um, And we do grow under lights. So instead of growing under the sun like traditional agriculture, we have lights that we can tailor to what the plants need. And uh, makes it so that we can harvest, grow, and make delicious salads all year. Well, I salute you, and I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Uh, you might be the only growers uh, in recent memory who aren't spending all of that time, that effort, that controlled environment agriculture on marijuana. You're doing it. You're <laughs> you're doing it on fresh produce, which I hate to say is far more important, but not nearly as profitable, I would think. You're so right, and that's often the first thing I say, is we grow indoors, we don't grow cannabis. And (laughs) we're, you know, no problem at all with cannabis. And actually, we're grateful to the industry because the rise of it has made technology come down in price, which makes it possible for us to grow affordably at um, the types of categories that we grow. Um, So it is very similar technology, but you're right, we're growing food. And we grow these greens, herbs, and microgreens, and then we actually make them into ready-to-eat salads. So we're not only growing close to Detroiters, but we're also answering their convenience concerns around how do I have a fresh, healthy lunch that's easily accessible. Oh, so, so when you deliver your product, it's already, in this case at least, so far, set up as salads. That's exactly right. So we make the salads with everything that we grow, and then we buy from some friends down at Eastern Market for those things that we don't grow indoors because we only grow a couple of categories of produce. Add some dressing, some toppings, and there you go, a perfect healthy lunch that's Detroit-grown. I love this idea, plantedDetroit.com. 
is a place that you can uh, look and learn more, planteddetroit.com. And this would indicate to me that you, you are up and running and your products are already being consumed and enjoyed by people around this area. That's right. We have been in operation for close to four years. Oh, my. And initially, yeah, we were just selling to restaurants and other wholesale customers. When the pandemic hit, of course, that changed everything. And we understood that consumers were looking for more fresh food to come right to their, tor- to their door. So we pivoted, became a salad manufacturing and delivery business, and it's just been on the uphill climb since then. So. I would I would hope that uh, if if you are serving uh, or servicing, I guess better put uh, restaurants and such, they would be uh, welcoming you with open arms because you're providing them a ready made uh, high, really high class product. Yep, you're right. We both satisfy those restaurants with wholesale products. Like if they're using herbs for their own dishes, of course, we supply that to them. And then we have some customers that want that ready-to-eat salad that they can retail. And then we also, in addition to delivering direct to customers right from the farm, which is the closest you know, connection mm-hmm. to how it's grown, um, we also sell in Rivertown Meyer that just came in on the Jefferson and then a few other retailers, including some plum markets and at Henry Ford Hospitals. Well, that's good news. That's, uh, you know, and they've certainly Henry Ford has been at the forefront of serving the freshest and healthiest of foods. That's not always been the case with hospitals, but that is the case at Henry Ford. I know for a fact in watching what they've done over the years, uh, and your products seem to fit right in with that. It's it, We will look for, if we're at Plum Market or one of those uh, higher-end places, mm-hmm. We look in the area where there are vegetables and fruits, and we looked for a prepackaged, uh, planted Detroit container. Can you describe it, or is it just kind of what we're used to, those plastic containers with salad in them? <laughs> you're right. It is a little bit different from what people are used to looking for, and you're right. It's in the produce department, so along with all the other fresh fruits and vegetables, you'll find our salads. And they're in a square container that has a, a film lid. And you actually can mix the salad yourself. That way the crunchy ingredients stay crunchy and the sweet ingredients stay sweet. And then you have a freshly mixed salad for your lunch. So you can look right in the produce department for your planted Detroit salads. Controlled environment agriculture. Are these salads a little more expensive than the others because of the quality? Or have you been able to sell them at a competitive salad price, even though your salad is superior? I would say that they are competitive, but on the higher end, simply because of the fresher ingredients and the technology that goes into growing them. Because we have to pay for the lights, we don't have a free source of energy in the form of the sun, so it does cost a little bit more, but that's why we're growing the farm, no pun intended. <laughs> we are building another farm in Island View and hopefully, um, fingers crossed, another farm in Detroit in the next two years. So the more growing capacity we have, the more affordably we can grow, and then our salads will be a little bit more affordable for the average Detroiter. Now, but you're not, or are you looking for land from my listeners? If they they have a couple acres, they want to do a little business with you, turn over the the land to you. And then the other question that, uh, before I forget it, is are your salads already washed when we buy them in the store? 
Two great questions. So we are looking for land in Detroit in an opportunity zone, but we do have a certain amount of land that we're looking for. So if any of your interest, your listeners are interested in chatting, please have them just email hello at plantedetroit.com. We'll reply personally and have a conversation. And then the second question you asked is whether the salads are washed. And that's a great question because we don't wash any of our greens before we deliver them to our consumers because our growing practices and our facility is so hyper clean that there's no need for a wash step. So we actually have complete biosecurity from seed to salad. In fact, you have to suit up as if you're going into a pharmaceutical factory to come into the farm. Wow. Boots, hairnet, the whole thing. Cool. Because, you know, most contamination comes from the humans. So we try and protect our little plants from those humans. This is a whole new meaning to clean food. I love it. It's exactly right. And Megan, I'm, I'm, Ann tells me she just went online to your uh, website at, at mm-hmm. Planted Detroit, or you say hello at Planted Detroit, um, mm-hmm. and she said you name your salads. Like there's a New Center salad, there's a Belle Isle salad. Really? We do. You know, we love Detroit so much, and we so intentionally planted the farm in this city that we all love. We hire from Detroit. In fact, 60% of our employees are Detroiters themselves. And we love each and every neighborhood for what it brings to the fabric of Detroit. So each time we develop a new salad, we name it after a neighborhood, both so that we can continue to make sure people know we're Detroit through and through, but also so that we can bring some attention to the wonderful neighborhoods that make up our city. Are Are you planning on expanding to other cities or no? Perhaps we want to see if we can satisfy all of the demand in Southeast Michigan before we leave Detroit. Um, But we know that as agriculture changes, we will have a lot more demand for this type of CEA. And we don't want to put any boundaries on that growth. Well, good for you. And it's uh, so people know it's plantdetroit.com. And I probably should say it's P-L-A-N-T-E-D plantedetroit.com is the proper way to put it planteddetroit.com to find out what Megan has been talking about which is intriguing and exciting and I I congratulate you and thank you for joining us thank you so much for having us this is opportunity detroit Just checking with Mr. Roker on our friend that you've met uh, via the radio before the recording we did with my father's letter to a friend, Guy Ludwig or Ludwig Law DC. We called him Luddy. I used to work with him in Toledo and in New York. And uh, and I just said, do you uh, remember seeing Guy Ludwig? And Al Roker said, oh, yes, yes. And Al, you were you were it, Luddy used to be a producer there for Gene Shallot on the Today Show. And you say that everybody would walk around with a, a coffee cup, a paper cup, but not Luddy. Yep. No, a uh, guy would walk around. He'd ha- he had a he had a uh, uh, a china cup and saucer uh, and, a, and, a, and a small little silver teaspoon and would walk around with it. And, and in the summer, he was the, the one guy in New York City who wore a straw boater. <laughs> yeah, like he, is... if he could find three other guys he had he'd have a barbershop quartet <laughs> that is so luddy i'm so glad to hear that and i'm so glad that you chose detroit to come in for your family style for your show on peacock uh, network and uh and talk about coney dogs i i've been watching you on channel four and it looks like you've been having a ball 
Oh, having a blast. You know, just a great time. So many people came down here to the Riverwalk. I did not know that not just one year, but two years in a row now, the Detroit Riverwalk has been voted best Riverwalk uh, in, in the country. And, and I am a big devotee of, of, of those walks. Like I've been to the ones in Austin and uh, all over the country, uh, San Antonio and different places. And, and this is a spectacular uh, river walk and one of the few that you look across and you see another country. Yeah, so that, that's, that's, that's very cool. cool. I don't think we've ever played that up enough, realizing you come to Detroit and you're five minutes away from another country. Yeah. And we get to look at beautiful Canada every day. That's all Canada. There you go. We just had that sung for the fireworks. We have our fireworks early around here, Al Roker. Ah, and we well, and we know. do both we do the O Canada and we do our national anthem. And why not? We're watching on both sides of the river from both countries. Come on. There you go. Yeah, no. So it's so you know, and, and so any uh any reason to come to Detroit for me is is always exciting. But you know, like you said you said, Paul, we've got this uh this series that runs on our, our streaming channel uh, today all day and on Peacock that it's called Family Style. Uh, for example, the one that's uh, dropping today is all about ice cream. Mm. Uh, and so it's kind of a summertime. And we thought, let's get one more summertime one and talk about hot dogs. And obviously, uh, Coney Island hot dogs, even though, you know, they kind of started in New York, but the Coney, I didn't realize was so so much of a big deal here. Oh yeah, it's uh, a it's a very big deal. By the way, we just spoke about ice cream, uh, a place called Milk and Froth, where they make oh. a classic dairy and vegan ice creams made from scratch in small batches. None of the chemicals or other things additives. Uh, you probably have a very booked schedule, but you might want to try that out in a place we call Eastern Market that you could do a whole week's worth of shows in. But being oh, that right. as it may, you're going to be at American Coney Island, Grace Kiros. I know you haven't been there yet, but you're going to be there a little yes. later. Uh, Grace is the only woman I know running any of the Coney Islands. It's a great family business. The funniest thing, though, Al Roker, is that American Coney Island is connected to another famous Coney Island called Lafayette. 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 Yeah, I, it, I've been told that it's number of people side by side, and uh, and then you go to this place called CMO Chili Mustard Onions. That's, yes, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, because it, 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 what we try to do is look at, and these are all family-run businesses. We we look at the classic in a town, but then what's what what what's the next generation doing with that classic? Mm. And as you know, CMO is is vegan. And uh, uh, but I, so I'm really fascinated to try it. Uh, and and uh, unfortunately, probably by the time I'm done, whoever is sitting next to me on the plane ride home is not going to be happy. Because <laughs> you, you will know, get the onions. <laughs> yes, you will get the onions. And there is chili involved. So anything could happen. Well, what fun that is and how great it is that you you are streaming these shows. And in this case, and in many others that you do, Al Roker, you 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 go for the family business. I love family businesses. That's really uh, the backbone of America. Are these small oh, small businesses, small family businesses, generational, and to see them be successful, and you're going to help them. And uh, and I I'm I'm reminded of a few other achievements people don't think about with you. You're quite the author, and uh, and your book, "Don't Make Me Stop This Car: Adventures in Fatherhood." 
uh, did well for you. And you're a, a, a Guinness a Book of World Records holder with a 34-hour nonstop <laughs> weather cast. Uh, yes, we. <laughs> in fact, we have gone on now to actually set, I think it's uh, 16 Guinness World Records. Oh, my. So, wow. uh, yeah, uh, uh, we've, we've done, in fact, one year we did a Guinness World Record each day of the week. Uh, uh, when we did a college, we did a college tour, and on each college campus, we set a, a Guinness World Record. Plus, we've done several. Uh, in fact, during the pandemic, we did one where it was the longest continuous sandwich making session, uh, <laughs> where we had uh, 63 chefs making sandwiches nonstop, and the last chef was my son Nick. Oh, uh, who made a uh, grilled cheese sandwich? <laughs> well, there's, you know, it's hard to beat a good grilled mm. cheese sandwich and a cup of tomato Amen. soup. I mean, oh that's just that's, that's just classic. hard to beat. Comfort food. Sean yeah. Sean Belegian yeah. is sitting alongside me here, and he is a smoker, not a cigarette or cigar no. or is he, barbecue. He, yes, mm-hmm. he's he's got like three different smokers. He's very heavily oh in gosh. it. Al, do you ever do that? I do the smoking. Uh, you know, I I do ribs. I do a beef brisket. Uh, I'll do lamb shoulder, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which is. Uh, and if you want to really, I, I recommend to your listeners, you do the. Uh, try, they should try doing lamb ribs. They are spectacular. Most people don't know about them, but it's about as good a. I, I like them even better than pork ribs. Wait, wait, no, what are the ribs, Sean, you've told us about? Duroc ribs. Love Duroc ribs. Have you ever had those, Al? I never heard of them until he mentioned Duroc ribs. I, I have not. What are Duroc ribs? It's a special kind of pork. Uh, it, it's like a high-end pork, uh, Al. It's, ah. it's tremendous. Really, really ah. just so much better than the normal pork ribs. Now, you, you, you realize, Paul, he sounds like Guy Ludwig. Yeah, he does. And Luddy would have, as you know, I I think, Al, if Luddy starts talking, you're in for a very long and interesting conversation. Oh, I've I've changed the oil in my car sometimes when when Guy Ludwig starts talking. You know, it's just, you know, I mean, and the great thing about Guy is you ask him what time it is, he tells you how to build a car. (laughs) I love Luddy. I don't see him enough and I don't talk to him enough. But it uh, sounds like you know him pretty well. And uh, <laughs> I, all I know is we're, he's a little younger than me, and he's retired, and I'm not. So I know. Well, <laughs> there you have it. And you're not going to retire anytime soon, Al. We're, well, you, we're very similar. Plans, we're, we're similar in age. Yeah, I, I don't have any plans to. We, we, we never know when those plans may, may be made for us. But, you know, in the meantime. Isn't I'm that funny? Coming in. Isn't that even when you reach the level of Al Roker, you do the same thing we all do in broadcasting. We look around and say, have you seen anyone new in the building? <laughs> Who's that? Who was that guy walking down the hall? Do you have any idea? That's it. So you see, he's That's not planning it. on retiring. And I think and if they're smart, and they're not always smart, but if they're smart, they'll let Al Roker stay doing what Al does and adding so much to the Today Show. And now with cooking up a storm with Al Roker, with family style with Al Roker, with with all that you do, you bring so much to the table, no pun intended, at the Today Show. I, I just want to thank you for choosing Detroit and giving us some love and some attention, too. Uh, well, the city deserves it. It is wonderful. We've had a great crowd down here, probably 200 people at least, wow. uh, hanging out, and we've been taking pictures and just having a good time. Well, you can see there's a lot of love there for you, Al, and they're not uh, 
shy about showing it to you. We appreciate <laughs> we appreciate you and what you do. Well, thank you, Paul. I got to go run, get on the because we're about to do the uh, third hour of today, so I got to go jump over there. All right. Well, we'll be watching you on NBC as always, and then we'll look forward to the follow-up on Peacock and the other areas we'll be able to see Family Style with Al Roker and see Detroit featured so beautifully with American Coney Island and CMO Chili Mustard Onions. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Opportunity Detroit. I hope you have a fabulous holiday weekend ahead of you, and we'll look forward to being together next time. Next time for me will be Monday through Friday from 6 till 9 on my morning show. Thanks to our guests, Alexis Madison, co-founder of Milk and Froth, Megan Burrett, leader of business development, Planted Detroit. Then there's Dan Carmody, president, Eastern Market Partnership. And finally, a visit with Al Roker, which we very much enjoyed when he came into town this past week. I'll be talking to you in the morning, Monday through Friday from 6 till 9. Go on out, make it a great, safe holiday. Regards, Paul W. Smith.